season. And how many of you have watched season one, season two, season three? It's, it's beautifully done. It's one of the best Christian um, uh, pieces of art that I've ever seen. And one of the things that they do really well is they develop the characters around Jesus so that when Jesus does a miracle, you can identify with how it impacted their lives. There's no other uh, series that I've ever seen that develops the characters so well that it can resonate with you when Jesus does a miracle. All these other movies that I've seen of Jesus is just Jesus doing a miracle and it's like, whoa, he healed the sick, he raised the dead. But there's no emotional attachment to it because you don't know the story. You can't identify with the story of the, the person that the miracle is happening to. And I find myself identifying and resonating with so many of these different characters in the story that when Jesus does a miracle, it feels like he's doing it to me. How many of you have experienced that? And it's, it's emotionally moving when you see how it impacted the other person. And the way that they're creating it is, is, is uh, I believe, leading up to one of the most powerful uh, crucifixion scenes that we will ever see because you're developing a relationship with Christ as he's getting closer to the cross. So we really want to invite you to jump into this series with us. There's three major, uh, three major activities of this series. It's not just the preaching of it, but we are encouraging everyone to watch it with the church. So Last week, you should have watched episode one. If you didn't, you can just watch it, you know, binge watch it. And, but, and if you want to jump ahead, you can. Uh, but number one is to watch the episode. Everyone say, watch the episode. Okay, so that's the, the first part of the series. The second part is to soap daily. So um, Anthony is passing out. Is that the bulletin or is that the study guide? Uh, the bulletin. But we have a study guide. So if you don't have the study guide, it looks like this. And if you want to participate with the church uh, during this series, grab one of these study guides, watch the, the video, and then go through the study guide. There's a, a, a scripture every day to soap on. And so we don't want to just watch something, but we want to get into the word and let the word transform our hearts. It's the word that changes us. And so uh, there's seven different verses. You can soap through each one verse every single day. And then the third thing is to jump into a small group and to discuss how that video impacted your life and what were the things that you got out of it. And you'll find that as you share how it impacted you and you hear how it impacted others, that you'll get uh, the fullness of, of the series. So number one, watch the episode. Everyone say, watch the episode. Number two, soap daily. And number three, discuss in small group. So those are the three components of, uh, of this series. Um, so one of the things that I'm going to share uh, this, and I was just going through the, the, soaping, uh, the soaping series, and today the verse was Mark 3.17. And Mark 3.17, it says, And Jesus called James and John the sons of thunder. Now you think, how are you supposed to soap on a verse like that? Jesus called James and John the sons of thunder. Is it, so I, I wrote that down, and I was like, how am I supposed to soap on this? And then I started thinking, because in the movie, when you watch the movie, James and John, they want to call down fire from heaven from this village that was rejecting Jesus. And after they rejected Jesus, James and John said, do you want us just to call down fire from heaven and smoke these guys? And Jesus said, no, 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 you don't know what spirit you're, you're talking about. 
it's not the will that, of the Father that anybody should perish, but all should come to repentance. And then he calls them, and you guys have fire coming out of here. I'm just going to call you the sons of thunder. And so when you watch the video, you know, they, they take two verses from different books, and then it gives you an idea of maybe this is how Jesus came up with their name because they wanted to call down fire from heaven. So I was looking through that, and I was thinking, that's so interesting that Jesus called these guys sons of thunder when this village, this, and it says a, a town of Samaritans rejected Jesus. And so I was meditating on that, and I, I want to encourage you, as you watch this and you jump into the soaps, try to ask questions and dissect what God is telling you, because sometimes God will tell you something kind of cool if you dive in deeper. And so the question that I was asking was, this town of Samaritans rejected Jesus. Is there any other time in scripture that Jesus talks about visiting a Samaritan village? What's, what's another mention of a Samaritan village in a story behind it? Anyone? The woman at the well. So we know that Jesus visited a Samaritan village and encountered the woman at the well, and that there was a revival that happened in that town, right? But now, there's like resistance from this town. So then the thought is, did this happen before or after that incident, right? So I started searching the scripture, and in, in Luke 9, it records Jesus getting rejected by the Samaritan village, and James and John wanted to call down fire from heaven. And we think that maybe that's a bad thing that James and John did that, and it was just kind of out of pocket. But when you research the scripture, it's interesting because Jesus actually, before they say that, Jesus says, when you go to a town, and he's talking to the, the, the 12 that go into the town, he says, when you go into a town and they don't listen, shake off the dust of your feet. And then in the very next chapter, he says, it will be more tolerable for that village than Sodom and Gomorrah because they didn't listen. Now, what happened to Sodom and Gomorrah? They were destroyed by fire. So you can see how the disciples would think, Jesus just told us that if these guys don't listen to us, that they're going to suffer Sodom and Gomorrah fire and to dust the, the dust off our feet. How many of you, if Jesus said, if they don't listen to you, dust your feet off, and it's going to be more tolerable than Sodom and Gomorrah. It's not out of pocket to say, Jesus, do you want us to call down fire from heaven and smoke this village, right? But that's what happened in, in this scripture. And, and Jesus said something interesting. He said, you don't know what spirit you're of. Do you know why? Because the time of judgment hadn't happened yet. It was still a time for repentance and for grace for that village. When we went to Israel, we visited that same place of Samaria. And Aryeh, the person that took us around, he said that because, he believes because they rejected Jesus, there was a curse that fell on that town. And do you know how many Samaritans exist today? No more than 700. That, that village has gotten smaller and smaller and smaller. And the people that call themselves Samaritans, 
today only number less than 700, and it's a dying, it's a dying culture, a dying village, when Israel has millions and millions of people. And so judgment did fall on that town. The other thing I, want, I was looking at was, did the Samaritan woman and the revival of that, that city happen before or after them rejecting Jesus? And when you read through John and you read through Luke, the sequence of events is that Jesus is on his way to, um, to Galilee. So he's walking away from Jerusalem, and he's going to Galilee. And on his way there, he meets the woman at the well, and they have this huge revival where all these people come to Christ. And then he goes and performs all of these miracles in Galilee. And then on his way back to Jerusalem, it says that he encounters this village. And then this village rejects him. So they experience the miracle of God. They experience the revival. They experience his grace. And after they experienced his grace, and there was a small little revival in the town, when he came back, something happened that hardened their hearts to who he was, and they rejected him, and they didn't want him in the town anymore. Isn't that interesting? And then it was from there that Jesus said that he didn't push himself into the village of Samaria, but he went on to Jerusalem, went on to another town, and from what history shows, that village was never the same. And we don't see a revival that spawns from that village to the nations of the world, but it got smaller and smaller until there's only 700 people there. Isn't that interesting? So, what can we get from that? There's three things that I want to talk about this morning. Um, this whole series was, was to help us understand the heart of Jesus. The heart of Jesus is not judgment. The heart of Jesus is not condemnation. It's not to point out weakness. The whole heart of God is to seek and save the lost. And so in Luke 15, 1 and 2, it says, then all the tax collectors, let's read this, oh, let's read the first scripture together um, at the top of your notes, Luke 15, 4 and 7. And this is one of the main scriptures of the first episode. Um, one, two, three. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it? I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repents more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. Let's pray. Uh, God, thank you so much for your word. Lord, we pray that your heart and who, who you are, the, the love that you have for this world, for us, and for people who don't know you, Lord, that it wouldn't stay on the pages of this book, but God, that as we talk about it, and we watch it, and we discuss it, Lord, that you would change our hearts and our lives and make us more like you. God, thank you that you didn't stay in heaven, but you came to seek and to save us. You came to seek and save the lost. And every single one of us, we are lost without you. And we admit that this morning, that without you, God, we are nothing. And, and we pray that you would change and transform our hearts this morning. Help us to understand your love for us so that we can freely share it to those around us. We ask this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. So what does a lost sheep look like? 
We're going to talk about that. Number two, Jesus left the 99 to find the one lost sheep. And number three, there was joy when the lost sheep was found. So number one, what does a lost sheep look like? Let's read Luke 15, 1 and 2. Then all the tax collectors and sinners. Let's read that again. Then all the tax collectors and sinners. You know what a lost sheep looks like? You, you know what a lost person looks like? It looks like someone who works for the IRS. <laughs> tax collectors and sinners. No, I'm just joking. Maybe. Um, I hate taxes. Then all the tax collectors, these sinners, drew near to him to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes complained, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. What does lost people look like? Okay, um, this is a picture that Andrea, she's an animal lover. And, you know, we've been talking about shepherding and sheep. And and, uh, she sent me this video, and I'll send you just some snippets of what a lost sheep looks like. So this sheep was actually lost for six years. And this is what a lost sheep looks like. It, it wasn't sheared for over six years, and the, uh, the weight of the fur itself was 80 pounds. It was so heavy that it couldn't walk, and it couldn't eat on its own. And so this person was driving on the side of the road and saw that on the side of the road and thought, oh my gosh, it's a sheep. And so they picked it up, and they sheared it, and you can go to the, the, the next... And, and look at, it has, uh, try to go back, try to go back. Look at the boogers coming out of its nose and, and all the gross stuff around its neck. This, when someone is lost, they look like that. <laughs> there's, 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 there's something that happens when you don't, when you don't, when you rebel against God and you don't, live according to his word, and you just want to do your own thing. You want to choose your own gender. You want to choose your own whatever. And the world gets all crazy, and you're a guy that wants to compete in women's sports and then throws the whole nation into chaos. You know what the loss looks like? Try, 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 put that. No, the other one. The other one. <laughs> it looks like that. I guess it's not there. It's a, it's a picture of a person? No? There you go. This is what a lost person looks like. This is what a lost sheep looks like. And, and you know, the response of a lot of Christians is to hate the lost. It's to look at somebody that is lost and say, they're so far from God they're so far from the values that we represent. They're so far from what we think is acceptable that that's gross, and we don't want to have anything to do with that. In fact, we're, we're so repulsed that we're going to stop drinking beer that endorsed this person. Do, 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 you guys, do, do you guys even know who this is? This person is like a TikTok star. It's a guy that, that identifies as a woman, and Bud Light recently, this past week, endorsed uh, this guy as, uh, as one of their spokespersons, and this week, Bud Light lost 50 to 80% of their sales because all of the Christians that don't want to drink Bud Light anymore. Because, no, I'm just joking. <laughs> I don't know why. 
My point is that when Jesus talks about the lost, we, we polish it and we're like, oh, the lost, you know, this is the lost. And this is the kind of person that Jesus is saying that we need to love. This is the kind of person that Jesus says he came to seek and st- he left heaven for this. And as people of God, he wants us to resonate with his heart. Which means that the same love that he has for the lost, that we should have for the lost as well. And instead of having the attitude of the sons of thunder, God called down fire from heaven and smoked these people. We don't know what spirit we're of when we say things like that. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. What does it look? What do the lost look like? They look like politicians. They look like tax collectors. They look like IRS agents. They look like that, that guy. And God has called us to love them. Amen? Amen. Turn to the person next to you and tell the person, you look like a sinner and I love you. John and James were rebuked in Luke chapter 9, verse 54 and 56. John and James were rebuked because the time of judgment had not come yet. Anyone, anyone, everyone say anyone. Anyone who desires judgment before its time has the wrong spirit. Anyone who desires judgment before the right time has the wrong spirit. Judgment will come, and it will come at the right time. And before judgment comes, God has called us to represent grace and represent forgiveness and his mercy and his heart for the lost. Amen? Jesus left the 99 sheep to find the one. Let's read the scripture together. One, two, three. What man of you... Having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it. Jesus was communicating the value of a sheep, even if it's lost. Being lost does not diminish the value of the sheep. Let me say that again. The value of the sheep doesn't diminish because it's lost. Being lost does not diminish the value of the sheep. Every single one of us was lost, and God did not devalue us because we were lost. He came to seek and save you. He came to seek and save me while we were lost, while we were rebellious, while we were living away from him. And it's his value on our lives as a lost person that brought that value to the surface. And in the same way, when we look at someone that's lost, we shouldn't look at a person that's lost and say that they don't have value. God, when Jesus communicated that he would leave the 99 safe sheep and go and and leave the 99 to find the one lost, he was communicating that that lost sheep has value. And just because a sheep is lost, does not diminish the value of that sheep. And when we see people in our culture, in our society that are lost, it's so easy to look at them and to pass judgment and to say they are worth less. 
but that's not the heart of God. He would leave the 99 to search out for the one. Amen? There was joy when the lost sheep was found. And when he had found it, let's read this together. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say to you that likewise there is more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. Great word picture here. Great word picture because we just saw what a lost sheep looks like. Can you imagine a shepherd after five years finding a lost sheep and being so happy and putting this ugly booger snot, matted insects all in its fur and he puts it on his shoulders and he carries it to the village and then calls all his friends with this gross, ugly, booger snot, matted, infested sheep and says, rejoice with me, I found my lost sheep. Isn't that a cool picture? That he leaves the 99 clean sheep to go after the one infested sheep and then is stoked. He doesn't like clean it out in the forest and make it all nice and beautiful and then brings it back and says, hey, I found the sheep. Look at this perfect, beautiful sheep. He brings it all gross and disgusting. And then he expects everybody to be happy about it. He brings it into the church. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Brings it into. And then he expects you and me to be like, awesome, let's have a party. Man. If Dylan Mulaney, McElvaney, I don't know what, if that, if her, him, sure, if that person came into the church, would we be rejoicing that God has saved someone? Amen. There was joy when the lost sheep was found. There was joy when the lost sheep was found. Um, I just want to play one clip. And, and this clip to me was one of the, and I'm not ruining it for you because we were all supposed to watch this the last week. And just to preface, for the rest of the series, we're going to be showing clips. So if you didn't watch it, it's going to be kind of like a bummer for you. So you, you have to watch it before you come to church. But this is one of the most moving parts of the, uh, the first clip. And what it is is a Samaritan, and he's explaining because Jesus, out of all the people that he could be with, he spent his time cleaning the field of this crippled Samaritan and then having dinner with this Samaritan. And the Samaritan was blown away and says, you don't know who I am. You don't know what I've done. And so he is blown away that Jesus would spend time with him. Out of all the people that he could spend time with, he spent time with him. And, and this is the scene where the Samaritan says, you don't know who I am. And he explains the bad things that he did. And Jesus said, I love you even though. So can we play that clip? Can you turn the volume up? We ran out of money and food. 
My little Rebecca, I could see her ribs through her skin. Hedwa, her eyes turned gray. It had been a drought, so there was no work in town. I had a friend in Tiratana who was also in bad Turn streets. the spotlight off, please. We traveled south past the frame and lied in wait along the road from Jerusalem to Jericho. We attacked a Jew who was traveling alone. Pulled him down from his horse, took all his money and all his clothes. He fought back, so Deshaun knocked him down. Hit his head on a rock. I thought he was probably dead. Deshaun was to take the Jews' belongings and sell them to bond traders in Anathoth. I was to ride north and sell the horse at a Roman outpost. <laughs> but I wasn't on for ten minutes when she reared up through me, broke my leg. I had to, I had to crawl on my elbows and forearms to the nearest town and beg for a ride back to Sikhar, worse off than before. So now you know what you've done. kind of man you've helped. Every day, I think about that Jew. Naked and alone, on the road, possibly dead. I could be a murderer. He didn't die. Somebody came along and helped him. How do you know? Melek. I know. I promise you, he did not die. Powerful.
the thing that's powerful about that and resonates is that it took a lot of courage for him to be vulnerable and to be honest about what he had done. Because when he was vulnerable about what he did, he risked the rejection of Jesus. And the powerful thing is that when he was vulnerable and honest of what he had done, instead of being rejected by Jesus, he was accepted and he was loved. And how many of us, we've experienced that in our lives, where we came to a place of being vulnerable with God, expecting judgment, expecting rejection, but instead of ex experiencing that, we, ex we experience his grace and experience his love. And what Jesus asks us to do is to not just receive that love and that grace, but then to be a representative of that grace and love to those around us. That when someone around us that's close enough to us and trusts us enough to be vulnerable and transparent about the things that are going on in their lives, that we respond in the same way of our master, that we respond in the same way and have grace and love. One of the things that, as I was reading this scripture and, and the imagery of the dust on the feet being shaken off of a nation that had experienced the power of God and later on rejected it, I couldn't help but thinking that I live in such a nation. That we as America, even we as people of Hawaii, have experienced revival in the past where Jesus walked through our land. And we experienced his power and his grace and the miracles and in today's culture have rejected him. And I want to read, it reminded me of the, the vision that Jim LaFoon had at the beginning of this year, and we're going to close with this. This is from Jim LaFoon, and he, in a vision, saw this, and he said, God met me and gave me a powerful vision, which he describes the future of the United States of America. As I looked out, I saw Jesus in a very powerful vision, and he was walking across America, and I could see where his tears were falling on this very parched ground. This only was to describe the landscape that would be like a spiritual version of the 1930s, a dust bowl. It was so parched that the top, side, the top side soil was blowing away. I could not see his face clearly, but as the Holy Spirit drew me closer and closer, I saw his feet. I saw the sandals he was wearing, and this wasn't emphasizing his glorified, resurrected state in Revelation. This was emphasizing his humanity as this slain lamb and his feet were coated and covered in this thick coating of dust. As he trudged through this landscape, he began to speak to me, and this is what he said. He said, Jim, none of this took my father by surprise. We knew that faith would die in the old world of Europe. It was our plan all along to plant it anew in the new world. We chose America to reach the world. Then he paused and he said, Jim, we've sent revival after revival to your shores. Outside the nation of Israel, and maybe the UK, no other nation in the world has had the revivals that America has had. 
No army or people could have ever destroyed America. Only Americans could destroy America. The next thing I knew, he looked up to heaven and he began to pray. It was one of the rare times where the Lord allowed me to hear Jesus praying to his father. He kept saying, please, father. And then he said it over and over. One more time. One more time. One more time. One more time. Just endlessly. And I began to realize, my goodness, he's asking the father to send another revival from heaven. His passion never wavered. It seemed to go on endlessly. And finally, the father spoke from heaven and said, okay, one last time. And when he said that, before I could even answer, ask, ask a question, it's like the Holy Spirit refocused on his feet and they were really dusty. And he was standing before the father and I realized later, my goodness, we were in danger as a country of Jesus shaking the dust off his feet. Like saying, I'm done, the country's rejected me. But no, instead the father said, one more time. And I looked at the scene before me and began to ask the Lord, when is this revival going to come? And then I saw from heaven a giant raindrop. It fell from heaven, and I learned later that some of the raindrops are bigger than others. It fell into the hot dust next to his feet. What's amazing is it didn't evaporate. It kind of formed an ecosystem right there. And Jesus told me, tell my church to create cisterns, spiritual water storage systems to trap the first drops of revival rain. There was a sense of urgency. Jim, the first drops are falling. Make sure my churches catch them. Make sure my people have them. They need these first drops to give them the strength to press into revival. As I pondered this, these were the words he spoke to me over and over. It's not business as usual. It's not business as usual. It's not business as usual. Excuse me. I believe in the same way that that movie showed that Jesus, and he talked to his disciples and said, if this city rejects you, shake the dust off your feet, and it's more tolerable for that city than it will be for Sodom and Gomorrah. It's reflecting where we're at. But through that vision, the season that we're in is not a season of judgment yet. Jesus didn't shake his feet the dust off of his feet. He prayed to the Father and interceded to the Father, and the Father said, one more time. So right now, we are in a season of grace. We are in a season of redemption. And we don't want to have an opposite spirit right now. We want to have a spirit of mercy. We want to have a spirit to seek and save the lost, to leave the 99 and go after the one. That's the heart that God wants his church to have. And God will use people that ask him for his heart. And as we go through this chosen series, I really want to implore with you 
don't just go through it business as usual. Ask the Lord to reveal things in the scripture to change your heart, to change your life, that he would use you in this next revival. That one drop that he saw fall happened before the Azusa or before the Asbury revival. And after that vision was given, we started seeing college campuses of many, many college students coming to know the Lord. And it's happening. That prophecy is being fulfilled. And God's going to do something in our hearts if we're willing to allow him to use us. Amen? Are you guys excited about this chosen series? Three things. What are we going to do during this? Number one, watch the episode. Number two, soap daily. Number three, discuss it in a small group. Uh, can I pray? And then I'm going to um, call Andrea. Where's Andrea? Yeah. Call Andrea to come and introduce some of the... All right. I, some of the, the greatest heart changes and things that God does in my life is through group. It's through small group. It's not in church, although church is great and worship is great. But when I get together with the guys and just talk about life, talk about our families, talk about what God's speaking to us, that's the stuff that changes my heart. And I really want that for every one of you. So God, we just thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you that you have a heart to leave the 99, to pursue the one. God, that you haven't called it quits on America. You haven't called it quits on Hawaii. And so many times we can get frustrated with where this culture is at and we could just want to shake the dust off our feet. But God, you haven't done it. And you are calling your people to join you in what could be the greatest revival that the world has ever seen. So Lord, we pray, Lord, that we wouldn't just do church. Walk our, walk our normal lives, but have the eyes to see in the spirit what you are doing and to have a heart of compassion the way that you have. Lord, that, that we can't do it on our own. We can't love the unlovely. We cannot love people who have different values from us. It has to be supernatural. It has to be from you. So, Lord, we pray that you would, through your grace, change us. Change us and use us for the advancement of your kingdom and for your glory. We ask this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. amen.